And with that, we are live on Facebook once again. I'm Mike Scala, and I'm joined for Nuance by Jay Carter, also known as Timid, the hip-hop MC, the chair of BLM Tokyo. What's going on, Jay? Not much, man. It's a wonderful morning here. Enjoying uh, the quiet as, as it does come in the early morning. How about yourself? Yeah, doing well. Actually, thought I would have a little bit of an easy week or two on these cases that I'm working on and then more stuff came in. So I always say being busy is good, but it's, you know, it's a lot. <laughs> it's definitely time to expand the business and bring in some more lawyers. Right. Yeah. And, you know, make sure you get a break. Absolutely. So I, know, I know how you work. I know how you, you know, you did the same thing with music and with mixing and whatnot. Like you'll get on something and you just won't move and, and just work it to, to, to death. So make sure you get a break. Yeah, for sure. I'm still doing that with the music, by the way. <laughs> so got a lot of stuff going on. And that brings us to our very special guest. We are joined this week by K-Bay of Grind City Media. What's going on, K-Bay? What's going on? All good over here. That's How you up. guys doing? Timmy, it's always nice to see you, brother. I miss you. Always, always, always. Um, we, we met a long time ago. Bay, um, going under the name the Button Pusher. Button Pusher booked me to come out to um, to Pittsburgh to perform at the Hip Hop Buffet series, and we'll get into it a little bit later. But um, yeah, also was I was surprised when I got there. Um, DJ Oxygen was also on the same show. Yes, kind of my God, that was a surprise. Yeah. How'd you spoke with Oxygen not long ago? That's, I love him. I love Ox. Nice to meet you, Mr. Mike. Yes, yes, you too. Mike, in those days, was going under the name Pison, MC Extraordinaire. That's oh, right. Okay, I get a chance to book you. Hey, well, you may need to if you're booking more shows, because I got some more stuff in the works. Hey, I, I do many things. We talk about it. There you go. <laughs> yep. So, so Mike. Yeah, I'll go ahead. Now, I was going to say, I, I saw your post. Um, you're about to do your first escape room. I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah. Some people think it's up my alley as a lawyer to say, if you look for clues, I think it's going to be like a murder mystery type escape room. So it sounds fun. I'm a little bit nervous because I get claustrophobic. So the idea of being locked in a room for a long time isn't really my jam. Well, I've done a couple and uh, I really enjoy them. Yeah. I'm a punk. What? <laughs> I'm a punk. I like to know where I'm going and how I'm getting out. I can't get now. Nah, nope. I'm uh, a punk. It's not like that. It's <laughs> not like that. So I watched this movie and they was locked in there and they started killing them and I was sold. I'm never doing it. An actual movie? Because I was actually thinking that could be a good plot for a movie <laughs> or a book because the escape room has this murder mystery theme. What if someone used that as cover to actually commit a crime? Oh, there's a there's a movie, and the, the movie was great because it was a prank. They pranked this guy, made him think that they were all being killed, and he went crazy. Uh, so by the end of the movie, he killed one of his friends because he thought that he beat this guy to death before he turned around and realized all his friends were standing behind him. Yeah, I don't like my mind to be messed with, so I don't do I don't put myself in situations where it's, you mess with It's not my like mind. that. I'm a it's punk. Not like that. It's not like that at all. 
it's not like that. You go in there, there's a story, and you've got to find clues, and then each clue can lead to something, maybe a key that'll open the, the, the box or the door to the next room, to the next room, to be able to get to, to escape. That's all it is. Oh. You're not being held or pushed down or anything like that. Oh. Well, I'm a Gemini, so we have overactive imaginations. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's all I'm gonna say. Enjoy it. You should enjoy it. How long it. was the experience, Jay? Um, I don't know, about a, less than an hour. Okay. Yeah, less than an hour. So it's you know puzzles, and you got to figure out different things to find clues, and you know. I enjoyed it. I enjoy it. We escaped. When I, I did it with my mother and my cousin um, in, in Virginia, uh, we escaped. And um, I did it also in the Philippines. And um, we did not escape. We did not make it. Mm. You so need a good in the Philippines was, was more challenging? Well, there was only two of us. And so it, it works better because there's a lot to do if you've got a bigger team, you know, four, five, six. And so in the Philippines, there was only two of us that went in. So, yeah. And then there's a time limit. Is that what happens? Or you just give up? No, there's a time limit. Okay. So you have a time limit on it to, to solve the, the puzzle. I think it's usually within an hour. If you go over that time, then you didn't escape in time and then it's over. Interesting. So I guess I'll be reporting my results back next week. I'll let you know if I escaped or not. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess if you didn't escape, we won't see you next week. <laughs> see that part. <laughs> That's why I can't do it. <laughs> nah, but it's, it's it's fun. I enjoy it. I enjoyed it. I'd love I'd love to do some more. Um, I think it's good. So that's what's up, though. That's dope. I didn't know. I I guess yeah. I mean, they would have. I would imagine they would have them in New York. Oh yeah. Is, you know. Um. Yeah. They they that's started definitely not Japan. doing an escape room in New York. Heck no. No. What you no. gotta get escape rooms in New York? Man, it's gangster up there, man. It's just a whole different man. I know you escape and get out in the street. No, I'm going back in. So you're saying we're safer in the escape room? I'm safer in the escape room. <laughs> you don't want to escape it. No. And you know, no, I, you know the escape room started in Japan. Huh. Yeah. I know that. Yeah, yeah. Those whole things started in Japan. They used to be TV shows too. Well, on that note, Jay, what started in the South Bronx? Hip hop started in the <laughs> South Bronx. That's right, Cedric Avenue. And now we're talking about $5.5 million being allocated to the city of New York for a universal hip hop museum in the Bronx. I think it's a good idea. Of course, we come from a hip hop background. There are some people I'm seeing who are pushing back a little bit. They're saying, well, the real problems we've got going on, crime is on the rise. Why are you allocating this much money to hip hop? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good thing too. Um, again, just like you said, I mean, I can see see how some people might not um, might not think it's a good thing or might not think it's a good time. Um, but I think you know, it's 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 such a, a a New York culture thing that's spread to the world. It's it's you know, it deserves its due in that regard. I agree, and you know what? I would even say that. The, the fact that some people are pushing back against it demonstrates why it's needed, right? Because I think we really need to educate the people about how this is something that New York gave the world and it's a huge cultural export. And I think we kind of get lost in, in our own business in New York, but 
hip hop is a major thing, force around the world. And sometimes we don't realize it's really a local thing here in New York. And we should be proud of that, that that's what we gave the world. And we've talked about in the past, really hip hop was the civil rights movement of our generation. I mean, it brought so many people together and it's a very important thing. It's not just a music genre. And I think that is lost on a lot of people. Yep, that's I've said it many times. Hip hop is that important. It, it was, you know, because of that connection, it brought so many different people. And there's people around the world that are doing hip hop right now. And in a lot of places to do, you know, hip hop usually starts again from from people that are, are underserved and that are struggling. And it's a it's their voice. And, you know, I think it's a it's a beautiful thing, you know. There is a hip hop group in the Middle East. Well, really, it's part Israel, part Palestine. And this is how people are coming together in that part of the world. Uh, they really aren't supposed to interact. And there's so much of this. There are physical barriers between them. But hip hop proved to be that force to overcome that barrier. I mean, it just shows you what a powerful force it is culturally. Absolutely. Go ahead, KB. You want to say something? Uh, it's a force. It's definitely a force. I mean, you look at almost every product being marketed right now, you'll hear a hip-hop beat. McDonald's, Arby's, you will hear a hip-hop beat. And I think that the fact that they're willing to allocate that much finance to uh, the hip-hop museum is a beautiful thing, but I really hope that they can focus a little bit on more education. Hip-hop was always an education tool, no matter what it was teaching us, it was always an education tool. And I think that if we could find a way to focus on more positive education right now because we need healing, more healing education, we need healing. We use that music to communicate when we were hurting. Why can't we continue to use that music to communicate that we need to heal and start the process of it with the music? I get it, not all music's gonna be positive. All the music I make is not positive. When I'm pissed off, I make a pissed off song. However, we have an imbalance right now. It's very imbalanced. And I think that if they're gonna put that much money into preserving and the museum preserving, hip hop, then we have to be careful what we're preserving. And we have to make sure going forward that we can put more positive uh, images in front of our young people uh, and give back to the culture uh, of parts of hip hop that have been overlooked until recent years, like tagging. Um, you know, people are going to jail and risking their lives to tag on uh, sub subways and things of that nature. Um, and, you know, movies like Electric Boogie and Breaking, like, you know, taggers are featured in that. And now it's, it's, it's a culturally accepted thing where um, you'll see murals all over the place. Uh, but I think if you're going to give that much money to the hip hop museum, we need to put some emphasis on tagging. Right. Well, the elements of hip hop and make sure people know it's not just about music. And I think if you're going to present hip hop the right way, culturally, the way you should in the museum, it's going to come across differently as it would be as presented by mainstream media. And that's an important thing, right? It's not just what you hear on the radio, what you see on TV. You're going to a museum now. So there's a responsibility to show really what hip hop is all about. And it's much more balanced than people will give it credit for if they only see what's on face surface. Right, absolutely. Yeah. And and those those points about, you know, um spreading the culture or or even teaching and healing and stuff, you know, there was that movement in the in the early nineties, up until about ninety-six, ninety to 90, 90 to ninety-six era when we had people like the native tongues and we had that that movement where people were wearing the African medallions and they were talking about unity and people were talking about knowledge and, you know, dropping knowledge, dropping science. Like there was that movement until, you know, there was a big shift in the industry. Um, you know, more corporate money got into it and whatnot. But there was that that unity movement. 
And that's what I mean, though. That's exactly what I mean. When the corporate money came into play, there was a shift. We need to shift it back. If you're going to put that much money into the hip hop museum, throw that shift in there, throw it back and say, hey, we still use this because that movement didn't die. It's still there. Yeah. Put some yeah. light on it. Put some emphasis on that love movement and combine it with things that are going on with like Black Lives Matter. Like these things need to be put hand to hand. That is hip hop. That yes. movement that we're out here fighting right now, it is hip hop. Right. So if That's we can shine point. some, yeah, you know, and, and people who goes don't to understand what it is. And it's mainly tourists really going to museums. And that's a good thing. If you can get tourists who visit New York, visiting a hip hop museum and learning really about what it is for real, then when they go back to wherever they're from in the country or the world, they're going to spread that knowledge and that, that wisdom with them. And maybe it will change people's perceptions. Maybe that even uh, eliminates some of the hate crimes that we have and some of the, you see the hate will. in general, some of the negative energy that we have in the world. Maybe it's going to change the conversations. Exactly. Conversations, it sparks people's minds. And last week we were talking about how the mayor is being sued for cutting the education budget, through the city budget. Well, this is actually a way. Some people say, well, your, your, your priority is in the wrong place. But no, we talk about how education is so important, how culture is so important, how arts fostering that part of people's mind, the creativity, how that's all very important. So this funding can go really towards that and really helping people grow as people and become better human beings, more well-rounded people. Absolutely. And, and the thing is that not only that, um, there was a, a in hip hop, one of the core is 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 unity. And so it brought together so many different people, so many different cultures. And so you talk about hate crimes, you know, it you know, it can help combat type of that type of thing because it is a culture unto itself. And you had, you know, people that were not only black, but you had, you know, white and, and Asian and Latino and you know, and then of course people in other countries that were all a part of it and they can, you know, recognize each other just as hip hop. You know, you are hip hop, I'm hip hop. And so I think that's where where the strength of it was and you know why I've said and you said that it's kind of like uh the 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 next generation's civil rights movement and struggle. So we also right. have to remember this as well. Hip hop is a lot of different genres of music combined. So I do something with uh uh a foundation that I'm on the board on called uh, the Sunny Food World Foundation, the uh, Sunny Food World Memorial. And what they do is they take music into the healing places, hospitals, personal care homes, things like that. I'm the only person that does hip hop. So I'm going in there with these people who are ready to see jazz or blues or soft rock and roll. I'm going in there with elders, with hip hop. So the media thought is this stereotypical thing that they've been fed through the media. Right. And we start them off with, Everybody is hip hop. I'm not hip hop. No, I'm not. Sure you are. Because we all have one thing in common where hip hop comes from. What is that? I said, shh, be quiet. Listen. What do you hear? Uh, my heartbeat. There you go. That is our natural hip hop beat. Mm. That is what we walk to. We all have it. Now, some of us choose to bring it out as jazz or rock and roll, but that that's hip hop. Right. It's the essence of who we are. It is the essence that's, of it. Yes. So we can go back to embrace that simple thing that we all have in common. No matter what's on our, we all have that one thing in common. Then we can embrace the idea of them putting money towards the education of hip hop and what it really is, what it really represents, because really what it represents is our heartbeat. That's right. 
I want to shout out some of the people in the chat. Robert Joseph says, hi, Mike. Hi, Robert. Lixa has some good comments here. She says, I'm aging myself here. However, I remember listening to old school rap and hip hop in my adolescence. The message was so different from today's rap. Oftentimes, it's just what's presented, though, in the media. I mean, as, as we said, that stuff is still out there. It's just right. balanced in the way it's being presented to the world, which is unfortunate. That's why I'm hoping a project like this can correct some of that. Yeah, yeah. And and to be to be fair on the other side, as far as this unbalanced image, um, yes, in the mainstream, it's, it's more unbalanced, even though it's gotten a little bit better, I think, in the, in the recent years. Um, the music listener has to also do what people might have done back then. You have to go look for some of this stuff. You know, I know there's a lot of cats from the 90s that are still releasing music, still releasing quality music, still touring. And their fans that were fans then are like, oh, my God, you know, um, what happened to our rap? And it's like, well, it's still there. You, you just got to go look. You know, they, these guys and these, these girls, these women are still releasing albums. Like, you know, you, instead of complaining about it, go, go find it. And the yeah, playing we field have to is be- a little bit more level now because of the Internet and because... You don't, you're not as reliant on TV. If you used to watch MTV back in the day, now you can find anyone. You can find a mainstream artist, an underground artist, you know, quote unquote, in the same search or, you know, within two seconds apart just by looking stuff up. So it's, it's a yeah. different game than it used to be. We have to be patient too. We have to be patient with our young people, right? Because they are, we were working in a generation, the last two generations was born to a world that knows nothing. They know nothing but fighting. Let's be real. The whole world, at some point or another, have been fighting for the last two generations. This is what these babies know. So that is what they're expressing. This is what they see in their communities when they turn on the TV, Facebook, everything. The president's fighting. This country's fighting. They done took this country. They done stole this. They done shot this. They know fighting. So they are not familiar with the love movement. So we need to re-familiarize them with love. And how do we do that? With the heartbeat, with the music. So we have to take it back to the core and be patient with them because not all of these babies to spit what we're hearing want to. And I know that by interviewing a lot of them. They don't want to. They're hungry. They're broke. So we have to change the way the business of hip-hop is being done and that i blame on our generation elders because we have the opportunity to change the way the business of hip-hop is being done so that these babies won't be forced into these must-eat situations why don't we talk about what you do you mentioned you interview people well let's go oh yeah i do many things hi Uh, there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff let me do a let me do a little rundown here real quick so uh, you now do media education, but you've been involved in media for a long time. Uh, author, uh, show producer, artist, TV producer, and just all around person that tries to put Philadelphia, not Philadelphia, Pittsburgh on your back. And have been trying to carry it for as long as I've met you, as long as I've known you. And uh, years. so so let's get into into it a little bit of you and then, you know, some of yes, the stuff. All right, so for everybody tuning in, uh, my name is not your ever CEO, KB. Uh, most people know me as the button pusher. Uh, I do all the things Tim said and more. Um, but uh, my, my, my main goal has always been to uplift in whichever way that I can do that. Um, and what I found in the city that I'm in is 
and this is in a lot of cities on the local level, nobody believes in your dream, right? They can't see it. They can't see your vision or understand your vision the way that you do. So you have to kind of do it. So you don't get press, you become the press. <laughs> I become my own press, you know what I'm saying? Like, so my my journey is, is amazing. I started out as a G DJ. Most people don't know that. I like to blend and I'm actually back to blending now. 27 years later, I'm back on the tables. Uh, but I love to blend music. I love to hear those different sounds come together and just, oh, it's just so beautiful. Uh, and I was doing that. And one day I was blending music and... Uh, this guy at the barbershop, Keith the Barber, he said, hey, man, I, I like your, your mixtape. You, uh, you should get some turntables. So I'm trying to do it with tapes, you know, put two tapes together and try to play them at the same time. And he said, get you some turntables. So I went and got me some techniques, which I still have. Um, and uh, he was buying them, and he's like, oh, man, you do well with an MPC. So I bought an MPC. And one day I'm down there trying to make these beats, and I accidentally plugged the headphones into the mic and coughed. And then my voice came through the speaker. Oh, what? Oh, what? So I started rapping. And when I realized that not only was I doing this, there was a lot of other people doing this. And those people weren't getting any type of attention or press. It changed my thought process of what I was doing. I thought I was just going to be a rapper, maybe, or a producer, maybe. But what I found was um, there were avenues in our cities. All of, them had, all of us have different avenues that we could travel to put ourselves in a position to help ourselves and others. And one of those avenues is where I currently work. Uh, 20 something years ago, I started a TV show at Public Access TV called The Ripple Effect. And what I wanted to do with The Ripple Effect was bring anybody that thought that they could perform. If you thought you could rap or sing or do a poem, I'm putting you on TV, but you couldn't curse. And what that allowed for us to do was me be a weirdo commentator, having fun, showcasing people that weren't cussing. So the babies and the elders could watch the same show. We were bridging gaps. Uh, and um, from that came a couple other TV shows. I ended up doing three total here at PCTV for about seven and a half years. Uh, and I, I was here so much, people thought I owned PCTV. And I started thinking like, well, if people think I own PCTV, maybe I should build my own TV. Because when you're working in within someone else's frame, you're working with their rules as well. And I wanted to not do that as much. And I wanted to put people on stage where they could really be free. So I started the Hip Hop Buffet series and I invited Tim down year one uh, to do this show. Uh, he came and he kicked it. And we did that show for four and a half years every month. We fed people real food, real food. Tell them, Tim, it was real food. Wasn't chicken yeah, fingers yeah, in the corner. Yeah, you had yeah. Hip Hop Buffet. It was a buffet and it was hip hop going on. That was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, we did that. Uh, I loved that. As from that came from the very first Pittsburgh Hip Hop Awards ever, which were the Hip Hop Buffet Series Awards. Uh, and then from there, I was like, huh, what do I do now? Because it's still not enough. As I was doing that, I was learning. I was learning how to film stuff. And I learned all these things from necessity. I would I wanted to work with my people and hire and I'm hiring people and they're not coming with my product at the right time. I need to get this commercial on TV. I'm getting it two days before the show. So what am I asking you to do that's so difficult? It's the question I always ask when I ask someone for a product, what am I asking you to do? So I went and learned and I found out two things. Editing video is very tedious. Very time consuming. The other thing I oh, learned bad. was I can do it. <laughs> and once I learned that I could do it, 
I started doing it. And so I was able to be create my own media slowly but surely over these years. I now have my own studios as well. Uh, it's music and TV studio. Um, I have my own Roku channel where I showcase 20 plus uh, producers nationwide that contribute to my channel. I love them all. Shout out to Grind City TV Network. I just dropped my first full magazine, Grinders, which highlights all of those producers. And so we're just, you know, rolling. And then I had the blessing of being able to come to PCTV last year and begin teaching some of my skills. Uh, and the position came up for director of media education. And that is what I am now, director of media education at PCTV, channel 21. And I have my own studio still. There you go. It's a great journey. It's a great journey. And, and, and it's, it's very community focused. Like what, what I've known from, from you and, you know, from watching you all these years and even from being there is that you do a lot for it to, to try to benefit your city, your community. Right. Um, and I mentioned it before, like if you're doing something in Pittsburgh then you know, you need to be, um, you need to be hitting up buttons. Um, because that was your focus. So it's, it seems like it's been important to you to, to do something that benefits the community. It is very important to me. The, uh, the one thing, the very harsh lesson that I had to learn was the community that I think is my community is not actually my community. Let me say that again. The community that I thought was my community, my city, my Pittsburgh, which I love so very much, was not my community. They were not willing to see what I was attempting to do. They were reluctant to support what I was attempting to do. And that was frustrating for 20 years until I learned, build you a community. Yeah. You don't have to fit into this place that doesn't want to acknowledge or appreciate the skill set that you have. Go continue to build like you've been doing the last 20 years, your own community. It's why we have Grand City TV with Texas and um, Atlanta and Chicago and the DMV and New York and all these, Boston, all these different places, St. Louis, that contribute to this channel. That is my community. And I'm open for whomever wants to grind with us to be a part of it. But I had to stop loving my city so much because all it did was hurt me. And I still makes me a little sad to mm. this day. It hurt because we had a lot of people come in from Pittsburgh, from New York, um, and take a part and grab our hip hop scene. A lot of them came from New York. Uh, New Yorkers have a different mindset than our slower Pittsburgh mind, right? So they come in with what their idea was for hip hop in our city. And it was awesome. It really was. The problem was if you weren't, if you weren't allowing them to control your part, then you weren't allowed in. I'm a homosexual African-American female. I wasn't fitting into none of what they brought here. I just was not. And I wasn't going to try. So when I built what I built, I didn't ask for no funding. And I, I, didn't, I got my studio, no grants, no loans, just grind. So when I say it is possible to build your own community, and expand it across this nation, it is possible. And you don't have to be a rich person, but you do have to be a real one. And that is one thing 
that I proud myself on. You may not like everything that the button pusher says, but you will have to respect what the button pusher does because she's real. You know, it's funny you mentioned New Yorkers having a different mentality. Something I noticed because I grew up in New York, so I only really knew New York when I was young. Then when I started traveling out of New York, I would see that and I would see one example that always struck me was when I would go to other parts of the country, their radio stations would have a summer jam event like we did in New York, but they would promote their local artists on the stage. And that was crazy to me. Like even in DC or up and down I-95, I would see that. In New York, I guess it's different because our local artists were 50 Cent and Jay-Z and us, but they didn't put on the the more underground acts on Summer Jam. That was something you would see. And I always thought that other places, I guess, just because of the way it is, that it enabled a bigger appreciation for their local artists. But it sounds like you're saying in Pittsburgh, you really weren't feeling that kind of love. I'm not saying that because that's what I did. What I'm saying is the people that ended up taking control, what they thought, taking control of our hip hop scene on a big scale, the ones that had the access to the big press, the people who had access to lenders and people who are willing to give and no other kind of folks that got it, they weren't willing to see what we were bringing or had already brought to the table. They wanted to discord it or control it. And what I'm saying is I can still do my brand of what I'm doing over here on a smaller scale it doesn't have to be big it just has to be real because what i wanted to caution people about was watch going for the big stuff because the big stuff not always real right if you come around here it's real there was real food at those shows and everybody ate everybody ate right i didn't eat when a homeless guy walked past, I would make a deal with the homeless people. I will feed you this evening if you continue to keep it moving because we don't want someone to misinterpret your presence. So here's a plate of food. So I knew I was going to have at least eight extra people to feed that evening right. because the homeless will come around. And I didn't want them to hang out because some people like to stereotype. Uh, all right. Take this food and keep it moving. That is hip hop. Yes. And really what you're talking about is authenticity versus yes. that corporate interest or big money or people yes. coming in trying to control it. You're saying yes. let's keep it for the people who are really making yes. it and yes. keeping it real. Yes. Now, and that's that's what hip hop's supposed to be, right? Yes. <laughs> now when you said building, and I think it's a good segue, you put out you you authored a book called The Building Process. So can you yes. talk a little bit about that? Now I've read yes. the book, I actually reviewed it. Um and it was it. Yes. So, yeah. Could you please talk about that a little bit? Ah, uh, the building process by the button pusher. D B P by D B P. So, uh, I think when I wrote the book, everybody in Pittsburgh got nervous because <laughs> they thought that I was going to t- talk about what I had ex- experienced with these people, and I did not do that. And I got stories to tell, but why? <laughs> I wanted to document my process of how I built my first company, JPB, because it was hard, but it was important. It was an important step to not only me, but every person that was impacted by what JPB did. And I wanted to make sure that they knew that I loved them for walking that road with me. I wanted to make sure that they knew that every move that we made was important enough for me to document it personally. And I wanted to make sure that the babies coming up knew 
that there is a process. Everyone has a process. You should have a process and what it is that you're attempting to do. Here's mine. If it's useful to you, please feel free to use it. So that is what the building process is about. I used to work on uh, roadways. I used to do roadway construction. I was an inspector. And one thing I learned from that job was how to build a road. It's why I am now very patient when I see road work. Still gets on my nerves, but I'm way more patient because when I watched how they build the road, the whole process, you got to survey your land. You got to go out there and see where you want to build. And once you do that, then you got to secure some things and then you got to clear it out and grub it. You got to clear and grub. You got to tear out the bull crap in the land, right? And then after that, you got to go flip that land over so you can make it solid. And we had to bang, bang for days. I'm standing there bored, losing my mind. I'm creative. And I'm standing there like, just hit the road one more time. But we had to bang that road until it did not move. Then you frame it out. And then you lay down your concrete. And you got to let it cure. Now, if you're blessed, you'll be able to walk or ride on that road. If you're even more blessed, blessed, others will be able to walk and ride on that road. So that is the building process, my road map. If it's useful, please, by all means, I built this lane myself. This is my lane. I'm not standing in anyone else's lane. This is my lane. But if you want to walk or run or drive on it, I give it to you freely. Well, mine is $10.99 if you go to Amazon to buy it off the rack. <laughs> You feel me? Yeah, that was a I, that was a good good book and good analogy. How you used uh, the, the the process of building a road to the same process of building a network um, that that grind to do that. I thought it was a uh, really good. So again, congratulations on, on the book. Hey, hey Jay, you saw someone in the chat saying, "I love Jay. He's so pensive." So you, you got a shot. <laughs> I, I saw that. I love it. Deliverance, yes. Coco Thousand. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sometimes people tell me I don't smile enough. <laughs> well, you can't not smile when buttons are here, bro. Because I was in kindergarten. <laughs> yeah, I think we both get yeah get that. Yeah, like, you don't smile enough. Like, what? I'm smiling right now. What are you talking about? We got, yeah, him, we yeah, got yeah, him right? grinning a day, baby. We got him grinning a day. <laughs> that's right. I consider it a smile. Look at a picture. Like, how can you not smile? I am smiling at that picture. Like, that's not a smile. To me, it is. I, don't know. I thought What's it was your definition of a smile, but yeah. come on. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. The other part of the the building process um, that was very, very important to me is after you uh, framed out that work, you had to get out there and get in the community. You had to go talk to the businesses that were around the shadow lounge to say, hey, I'm going to throw a show here every Sunday, the first month, the first Sunday of the month, and we're going to have some people out here. Do you mind? Maybe you should come see what we're doing. Just build that communication, that gap. And the one thing that kind of bothers me where we're at now is the internet has taken that away from us. You don't know sometimes if you're talking to someone who is real. So it's a whole different process. And uh, I encourage things like this. Put me on the camera. Let me see your face. Know who you're speaking with before you commit to doing something in this game of hip hop, because you can get your rake pulled real fast uh, when you're doing your building process, if you're unsure who you're speaking with. So being in the community, whether it be an online community, whether it be a television network or going outside, it's very important to communicate with people. Yeah, I think that translates into to everything as well. Um, business, politics, you know, what have you. Um, 
Our polls. Talk about our polls. <laughs> our polls, yeah. So, polls. but so no, yeah. great. Congratulations on everything. So, thank you. Beautiful thing. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. And speaking of our poll, we did put out a poll last week asking if people were concerned monkeypox would become the next pandemic. And on my poll, it was two thirds no, one third yes. Well, mine, we got 50 50. Um, it was it was even across the board that uh, you know people are some are concerned some are not concerned, um, but you know hey look, I think we're getting pandemic fatigue. We're getting all kinds of things. Hopefully, it doesn't become anything. But um, what changed in in the time that we asked the poll and now is at the time it was just New York that had issued a state of emergency over monkeypox. Now it's a nationwide state of emergency over monkeypox. Um, and the WHO notice still stands. So it has grown a little bit in that week. Um, and so hopefully it doesn't get out of control or get any further, so. Right, I really hope it doesn't turn into anything close to what COVID was. But that's why it's important for us to document our existence. I totally believe in that. Like, fortunately we do have things like the internet where we can communicate and we can leave something here for documentation that we existed and we attempted to do something. It's very important, young people, if you're watching this, don't just put out a music video. Make sure people understand who you are. Do interviews, talk to people, write. Write a journal, a blog, a book, something. Let people know who you are. One thing that I'm realizing, and I say this all the time, hip hop has a homicide problem for whatever reason. And you know, the parents get on, he was a good boy. Well, his music said he was a killer. The streets said, you, you feel what I'm saying? So we don't know who these people are, but we look up to them, especially our babies. We admire the work that they've done. Know the person. So be sure that you leave your legacy correctly, because when someone else tells your story, it's not going to go the way that you think. I tell people all the time, listen, I don't need you to tell my story. I just need you to repeat it. I've told it over and over and over. Memorize it and repeat it. So that right. we get it right, you know? That's so important in politics, too, because I do a lot of political stuff, and that really is the whole game, right? Controlling the narrative before someone else does that for you. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Well, well hopefully uh, the narrative of, of these new things that keep popping up don't get out of control. So James in the chat, uh, I think uh, once school starts, I think monkeypox will get bad. I hope not. There's another one. Just yesterday, there was another news bite. Uh, there's a, a virus out of China that's um, uh, something that that's that they're keeping on the radar. Yes, they call it a Hinepa virus. It's already infected 35 people. There's a the WHO says it's got a 40 to 75 percent uh, mortality rate. The problem is people at, at a certain point just throw their hands up and they say, "Well, all these things are out there." I'm not right. going to live my life in fear or under control. And and unfortunately, it leads to some people not taking the proper precautions because they right. just are, are just done with it. They're sick of it. And I think also it feeds into this whole idea that, oh, this is just a conspiracy, this, you know, whatever. It's uh, right. government's way of controlling us, whatever people think. Right. Sometimes it's easier, I think, or more convenient for people to believe that than the truth because the truth can be more painful. But right. 
regardless. I think there are people who aren't taking these things seriously just because they've had enough. They're fed up. They're tired of it. And that becomes a problem too. Right. Absolutely. And, and we're, we have a short attention span as a society, you know, um, we're used to 30 minute TV shows or one hour TV shows and then it's, it's done. We can go about our day. Um, you know, our news cycles change constantly, whatever the, you know, whatever it was that was hot changes into whatever else is hot. And so mentally it's kind of over, even though it's not just like the, the war in Ukraine, um, it was what dominated all the news. Now it's, you know, not really on the news as much, and, but it's still going on. There's still right. people playing. It reminds me like I'm working on a project, and for me, an album was always, you know, 13 songs to 19 songs, something like that. Now they're like, nah, that's way too much. I don't want to hear all that. Nine songs or less. Do a six-song album. Like, that's an EP. That's, that's insane. EP. What are you talking about? But no, nah, that's an album now. This People's attention is what people are used to. Everything is like fast food. You know, we want to listen to it quickly and be done with it. Yeah. I've been making one verse bangers for years. <laughs> one verse bangers. I'm gonna say it. it all. But, but even 16. the verses getting shorter. They used to be sixteen. Yeah. Bars. Now yeah. they're twelve. I've been doing it for a year. I've got a whole series called "Can I Get a 16? Mm. Some of that. Yeah, I, saw, I saw that. I actually did watch that. <laughs> My guy yeah. changed that to "Can I Get a 12? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, it does that. I mean, speaking of that, I, I, that's when I started posting up verses um, on Instagram Reels and in the in short thing, just one verse. One minute or less, and it's basically music videos for for you know one minute or music presentations for you know one verse. Um, so, yeah, Maybe I you guess you gotta get with the times, you know. Uh, yeah, basically, uh, yeah. either that or get roll pass. <laughs> get roll pass. And I've always said this too. I think there's something to be said for being a leader and not following trends. And there's a balance to be found. Sure. You can't be so out there that no one wants to even pay you any attention because you just way in your own lane. But you want to do what feels right. And you don't want to do something just because other people are doing it. You want to do something to make it cool so that people start doing what you're doing. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, uh, uh. You're like, I don't care. I'm just going to do my thing. It doesn't matter if anyone follows along. Uh, You you know why? You know why? Um, Because that's a trap as well. We have to be careful. Mm. Just lead. Just if you were born a leader, just leave. Let me because ask you a question. If no one is following you, are you a leader? Yes. Mm. Okay. Maybe not for your generation. So you could be ahead Maybe of your time. Maybe not for your time. I firmly believe I'm ahead or behind. Sure. Or I probably should sure. have been a teenager in the 70s. Real time. Absolutely. Well, we talked but about I this day. Some of the stuff that we even have done musically in the past now yes. is, is hot. Maybe back then people didn't get it. So we right. were our time also. Right. But I think that is being a leader. So I'm not saying people have to follow you today, but I'm saying right. it's something that people will want to gravitate to at some point. Well, we, don't know, and we don't know what that is. That's the thing. Going forward, you don't know what that is. All you can do is be true to yourself. I think what the problem is, is when if you're following, great, be a follower. But be sure your steps are true to your heart. If you're and, really feeling yes. what you're following instead of it just being a trend. That's, that's what being a leader is, right? And, and that never yeah. goes out of style. People will always gravitate never. to that if they can detect that authenticity. That's and, right. right. You know, and that applies to everything in life. I agree. I, I totally I agree. Well, I'm a leader in my own mind. <laughs> it's still here for now. Like I got like 10 followers or something. Like, I'm, I'm a leader in my own mind, but I, I think it's important. I have a grandson, man. I had a son, I got a grandson. And at the end of the day, if my grandson can sit down when he's eight or nine and pick up this magazine and learn about my grandma's two companies, 
Mm. I did my job because that inspires him to go do. Right. A leader is inspiring you to go do your thing, not my thing, your thing. That is a leader. A right. leader's job is to inspire, not just follow me, to follow create, you, to but go do here. you, go yes. really do right. you. That Let's is a leader in my opinion. So I agree. When I, when I look at what the button pusher has left here um, is a path. It's a path to say, I can, I did, and I left it for you. You can follow it or not follow it, but you cannot say that I did not do it. It's there. Mm. That is a leader. So do I consider myself a leader? You damn bet you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whether you follow or not. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I guess we can segue into the leadership or lack thereof in Washington. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm saying nothing on that. <laughs> <laughs> talking about a 700 it's a lot of money it's even hard to say 700 billion dollars it's hard to conceptualize how much money that actually is um Can I'd just be make willing, my student loan go away that's all i need i'd be willing to conceptualize that in my hands if someone wants to hand it to me you wouldn't i mean that's what would that's you do with 700 million dollars bro what yeah 700 billion dollars what would you 700 do? billion yes billion, billion. Yes. yeah <laughs> man i'd love it i would love it i you know my family would be straight for sure we get some different projects and things off of the ground that you know we we've all and and try some new things you know i think you could do that with under one million um you maybe but you know why not have the extra <laughs> i want to say the caution there are a I lot of people who caution, think that there should man. be no billionaires that right there. I, I, I want to send a caution to people. I really do. Like, if you in Pennsylvania, we just had a our our lottery was a billion dollars. Somebody won a billion dollars in the lottery. Yeah. You know how much they actually got though? Yeah, taxes? Less than that. But if you like can win a billion, million, billion dollars in the lottery, then that has me questioning the legitimacy of the money. It has me questioning the the real potential and the potency of the capital that we we run to so much. If I got that much finance, the only thing that I would do is buy as much land as I possibly can. Because land is the one thing that everybody will always want. Not houses, land. Mm -hmm. Give me the land because there's no more of it. It does uh, not retreat. Always a great investment too. Yeah. yeah. I, but I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned about these numbers that, that, that are dropping out of people's lives, uh, mouths with this finance because I'm like, do we have that much gold? What's backing our, our money at this point? Well, do we? So, I mean, I guess that is the question. Do we think that that's a good use of the government's money, of the people's money? The idea well, is to try to curb inflation. So, do we agree with that philosophy? I guess that's well, kind of I think, I think the, um, the goal, the goal of this this bill, and it, it's called the uh, Inflation Reduction Act. The goal of this bill is to to try to lower the cost of some medicines, to incre increase corporate taxes, and to reduce carbon emissions. And so, I think these are all very important things that that need to happen and should have happened already. I mean, our medicine, our drug costs are out of this world. It should not be that expensive for people to have these life saving medicines. Um, corporate taxes should have been reined in a long time ago. You know, corporations are, you know, they might be talking about the, the, the little guy not paying their taxes, but the corporate taxes are the ones that are really the big, big, big ticket items. And of course, carbon emissions 
I mean, you know, we've already, the planet's already warmed like, you know, one, one degree Celsius, um, you know, recently. And so, you know, these are catastrophic things. It's going to get worse as far as climate goes. So, yeah, you spent you know, too much time in Japan. You started talking about Celsius talk. Um, yeah, it still confuses me, but, uh, it's hot and it's getting hotter. There we go. Yeah, there it's go. this translation over here. It's right. getting hotter. Man. We're yeah, melting out this mug. <laughs> it still confuses me a little bit, but um, yeah. So yeah, do I mean, I think. Guys, do, do you guys think there's legitimacy behind our capital? Seriously, do you think that our money holds weight? American well, money. Well, see, here's the thing: is it like weight? it's not it's not gold backed. We haven't been on the gold standard in in decades. What it's backed by is is us. We are the capital. So it's very hip hop, Jay. Well, no, I, I, yeah, but I mean, in a sense that That's it, right. the value of the U.S. dollar, the value of the U.S. dollar rests on you taking your butt to work. You that is dangerous. That's you dangerous the, because I'm an entrepreneur. Right. But it's it's we are that value. It's basically yeah. saying our, our dollar is worth this because we've got 300 million people that are, are, are workers for for the um, the country. And the economy. I said, yeah. I, I, said the economy. A, I said a post the other day that said now hiring anyone that's willing to show up. The people allow that has to do with wages, though. It, right. it has to do with wages, but the people are exhausted. You're telling me. Right now, my wife works seven days a week, seven days a week. She does not get sick time. She does not get medical. She does not get any time off. And you think that's what our currency is supposed to rest upon? That is dangerous. People are tired. They are. They are. So I don't, I'm I'm concerned. They are. And and that's what, um, you know, People are talking about this. Oh, no one wants to work now. But it's it's more that the younger generation is like, I see situations like what you're just talking about. And that's not livable. That's not something that should be how we live. That's not something that's acceptable. Well, why so is intelligence said well. working three jobs still can't make a living? Yeah. Someone, actually actually said, <laughs> out, man. someone figured out that it would cost them more money to commute to work and back then they would actually get paid at the end. Like it actually would cost them money to work. Right. It would be, be making, somehow they'd be coming out ahead by not working. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, it's something that really needs to be addressed. Um, and bills like this, hopefully go to, to do some kind of, you know, some kind of help on these things. And it's already yeah, talking about initiatives like Medicare being able to negotiate for lower drug prices. Right. Tax credits for buying an electric car. I mean, there are different things like that that uh, are supposed to help the consumer and help the economy and ultimately inflation long term. Right. Can you write an electric car? On my salary, on my salary, I'm sorry, I can't afford an electric car. Well, that's what part of the criticism was that this bill. (laughs) Who who is it for? And you know what? It's a fair criticism that they think that the bill doesn't do enough to affect the everyday consumer, the everyday person. Although I would argue the Medicare pricing does, and there are things in there that that do. But you know, it's it's a fair critique. Right, and 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 there's then there's some like if you're talking about um, it was criticized, um, you know, like you said about about not addressing the, the the average everyday person. But 
aside from the medicines, I think even reducing carbon emissions and increasing corporate tax does does affect the everyday person. It's not as much of a tangible uh, type of thing, but if you reduce carbon emissions and we can try to slow that down, then it will be less out of pocket for the average person. Because as these climates rise, as these temperatures keep going up, you're going to need to use your air conditioner more. That's going to be more. I agree. I agree. I think the issue that people have is they're not concerned about the long term right now because they're feeling the short term effects. Oh, absolutely. They want to know what's going to help them at the pump when they fill up their car. And so long term stuff, they're like, that's not going to give me any any relief right now. Right. You have to also look at who is governing these factors. All right. So if the people who were talking about the generation right now was the generation right now, it would be received better. We're talking about really old politicians who are out of touch. They're out of touch with the everyday person. The everyday person is saying, man, get the student loan off my back from schools that got our money and closed down. And my college is a Walmart. Check is you know say, Sorry, Literally, but- college campus I went to is a Walmart now. And that's so exactly. something in America. That's, that's, exactly. that's America but in a they sense. Their money, and they say, here goes $30 for your inconvenience, but you still got to pay the 67000 back. That's the everyday person. The everyday person is saying, hey, my light bill doubled. It doubled. So I feel what you're saying. But if if you don't go to Duquesne Light and say, Duquesne Light, this is unacceptable that you are doubling people. You're charging them for the light service and a supplier service. Oh, you can pick your supplier. Yeah, but they're the same price as you. That's unacceptable. Someone needs to directly deal with that right now. Take the pressure off of us so we can allow your bill to work. You're telling us to be pressed under this bill and hopefully our kids will see it work. We're not happy with it. Because you've been saying that for the last three generations of presidents. It's not working. Right. And hopefully the actions to curb inflation aren't just going to be generational actions. I mean, I think they're intended to do something more short term than that, because now right. really when people are feeling the effects of it and, you know, this isn't obviously this requires a long term solution, but because of what's I, happening. All now, I would say is ever since, ever since the new guy got in there, we ain't got no stimulus money. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, <laughs> I got a check. You know what I mean? That money has to come from somewhere. So eventually that's going to be paid back. Um, I think. Oh, yeah. I, I think. One of the things that, that can be an immediate effect for people is is if they can lessen some of these drug prices, because it's over 60 percent of people in the U.S. that is on medication. That's an immediate effect. And, and these medication prices are pretty much outrageous, you know, so that can be an immediate effect. Hopefully, again, like you said, there's some other immediate effects coming out of these bills because, um, you know, the you know, Short-term solutions are not the only thing. If we keep doing short-term solutions, right. we're going to have to keep doing patchwork constantly. So that so you that need you both. Have you have to have you both. Have have yeah. Yeah. I agree yeah. with you, Timmy. I just like to play the devil's advocate sometimes. Button pushers. No, nature, it's right? no, it's okay though. We How need to, we need that. We That's need why that. The show is called Nuance. <laughs> we like right. it. We need the devil's advocate because that also highlights the opposite side to, to know if there's something there that we need to address as well. So we I'm, I'm a, you know I'm a broad thinker, right? So what I what I what I bring here is what I'm hearing the average person complain about. 
what I'm Absolutely. hearing my wife complain about. You feel me? And I got to sit there and, 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 and try to figure out a way to explain this to her that makes sense because our pockets right now don't make sense. Right. We're both working our tails off and by the hearing my chinny chin chin, and I got quite a few from getting old. I'm able to keep running everything. Yeah, I got great ones too, Tim. It's bad, bro. Uh, every time I see my grandma, I get like 10. Anywho, but we're trying to keep everything balanced where we can live because when you're caught in struggle all of the time, you forget about the other things. You forget about love. You forget about the trees, the grass, the sunshine, things that you should naturally be grateful for. So we have to find a way back to that. I right. think just as a society as whole, hold up a minute, hold up with the money, hold up, be damn grateful that we are still here. Because I think if everybody can start with a level, a level playing field of gratefulness, as to we can work together and change some things immediately. Right. We are in a very ungrateful society. We take a lot of things for granted, a lot of things. And that's what's pushing these bills and all this power money moves. We forgot that in a blink of an eye, you could not be here. Yeah. So we, I think just if I was a politician right now, I would find a way to show how truly grateful I am for the opportunity to serve my people, for the opportunity to breathe, for the opportunity to live a little bit better. These cats don't present themselves as grateful. They present themselves as overlords, and that pisses entitled. the common man entitled. off. That part. Yeah. It pisses yeah. us off. We're entitled. We work every day. Why aren't we right. entitled? Exactly. To, to, to medication and food that we can afford. My elders shouldn't have to pick. They work their life. Right. And now they're 69, 70 years old, and they're like, do I eat or do I get medicine? If I don't do either, I'm going to die. Right. Hey, man, sounds like it could be uh, uh, a K-Bay campaign. No, nah, no. Nah, uh, everybody's been trying to, and I won't do it. I do not like politics. No. <laughs> no, I dealt with hip-hop politics. That's enough for me. I built another yeah. road over there. Ain't nobody yeah, want to you. As someone who has experience in both music and politics, people ask me what the difference is. I say music is just like politics, but music is a little more political. Yeah, same <laughs> game. Same game. I totally uh, agree. I would not do it. Nah. But what I can do, uh, what I can do is continue to uh, inspire trustfully. That's what I'm doing. And uplift and say, hey, this is a common person over here that feels you. I love you. I'm truly grateful for your existence. Do something with it. Leave something with it. So my grandson can not only watch me, but watch you as well. That's well said. We got an interesting comment from Paul Trust we had on last week in the chat. He says, listen to Commissioner Combo introduce the mayor at the future site of the Hip Hop Museum. I guess he listened to Combo introduce the mayor, saying that he funds the arts, that he knows if you don't put a trombone in the hands of a kid that could turn into a gun. While I am happy that Department of Arts and Cultural Affairs had their budget retained, taking trombones out of kids' hands is exactly what he's doing with his budget cut. So he's speaking of the cost of the education and the ongoing legal battle there. Uh, he actually won that lawsuit, but the mayor is now planning to appeal, apparently. Right. Why don't you just bring hip-hop to schools? There you go. It Employ hip-hoppers to go to school to teach. Are you sure you're not running for office, KB? It sounds like I'm a not. campaign. Right? Just, it's that's, that's, how I, that's how I think, baby. Like this is how I'm able to do all the things that I do because that's how I think. I navigate that way. All right, I can't afford to do this, but I can't afford to go in the school. I can't build the school, but I can go in there. Right, right. right. 
school. Why don't we put a poll question out since we got back to this topic of the hip hop museum? We can ask right. people what they think about that. Our poll question of the week is, do you think $5.5 million is a good use of money to build a hip hop museum in New York City? All right. Sounds like an interesting, I wonder what the, the, the uh, I, can, I can imagine some of the results because a lot of us have like half hip hop heads as, as our followers and then the other half is people who are not uh, hip hop heads. So remotely. I, yeah, I imagine the hip hop heads are all gonna be like, yes. And then everyone else is like, no. But here's what's think, interesting though, you're seeing more of a convergence as time goes on. So it used to be maybe even 10 years ago, you would have hip hop heads and they would be so anti-politics and they didn't want to hear about that. And then people who pay attention to political stuff wanted nothing to do with hip hop. But now it's a generational shift. So now you're seeing the hip hop heads getting older and they are paying attention to what happens in the world more. And people in the politics now, a lot of them came up listening to hip hop and enjoying hip hop. So it's not so distinct as it was. I think right. that the, the issue might be the timing of this bill for, mm. for, the, for the million, for the five million, for the hip hop, just because we are going through so much right now. Right. I think had this been introduced pre-COVID, you wouldn't have as much resistance as you may have now. I just think it's, I think it's beautiful. I think it's necessary. I just think it's the wrong time. And when I look at things and I look at timing, I'm like, what's the motive behind this? Well, Adam says he wants to be known as the hip hop mayor. I can't be mad at him for that. Yeah, I mean, from, you know, I obviously am not living in New York now and um, I don't know that much about him, but what I do know of, of Mayor Adams, I, I don't like some of the decisions that he's been making. To me, this could kind of seem like he's just trying to get some goodwill. Um, I don't know what his connection is to hip hop. Uh, I think- Like, did he used to rap or something? No, I mean, but I mean, we're at that age. That's Jay-Z run for mayor. That's the hip-hop mayor. Jay-Z's the yeah. hip-hop mayor. Bro. But hip-hop is at that age now where the people who are running for office, who are in these um, positions, are were the hip-hop heads that they've grown up. Hip -hop like is Shine. Yeah. Black, like Caucus, Shine. Week, Black yeah. Caucus weekend every year in Albany. You've got lawmakers, especially from the Bronx, or really throughout New York City. They always have a rapper come. They had Fat Joe, they had Method Man, Red Man. They have a rapper performing. And you see these politicians on stage throwing up the X if it's a Bronx artist or whatever, like with Fat Joe. And like they're really, really into hip hop. You can tell they genuinely came up through hip hop. It doesn't right. seem like they're just pandering for, to a voting block. They really right. have this running through their veins. Right. I think and, and I think that's kind of that's kind of that's a good thing because you're gonna get these these heads who are getting into it. Like um, what was it uh, last month or the month before? Do it all. Um, won uh, the, the city council race. The lieutenant governor of New York currently is a former rapper. And I don't usually say so many great things about him because I actually dissed him on record once because we had a little bit of a battle, but he <laughs> was is a former rapper. That's, you know, that's legit. So. I mean, you got to understand, it takes a certain level of intelligence to be a hip hop artist. We're not dumb people at all, by far. Hence the museum. This is why I want to see the museum. Tim is one of the smartest people I know. That's why I said, MP said, let's take three million for the museum and two million to put into hip hop education. Let's bring these hip hoppers, people who used to be rappers that are now politicians, in the school and say, this is how I got there. I think that would fare better with people because now they're showing the example. The example is walking into these schools that are run down, that are hurting. 
and saying, you know what? I came from this. I rapped about this. And now I'm in a position to change this. And this is what I need from you in order to make that occur. Young people, I need you to put your guns down for me. Yes. I need you to get a little educated with me. If we could allocate some money to that and make that a part of the hip hop museum as well, I think that would fly over a lot easier because these babies are influenced number one by hip-hop not their parents not their friend by hip-hop well exactly and one point i'll make is i hope that the programming at the museum will feature some of that so it's not just a destination that has nice pretty exhibits i hope it yes. really does include going out into the communities and presenting the museum presenting hip-hop to the hip hop, it, but, what, but it has to be what it really means because if you just look at NWA on the outside and don't explain what it really meant, yeah, right, we have to make sure the babies understand why NWA was right. so hell bent to being what they were when they first came out and how it changed and right. why it changed. And then because of the pursuit of money, yes. And KRS and Boogie Down Productions and Chuck D, Public Enemy, Come all on. that messaging, yeah. There, there's messages in all of this stuff. And a lot right. of the music that the babies make now has a ton of messages in it. Right. But we're not able, uh, some of us, older ones just aren't able to decode it, right? Right. So we get frustrated and we say, Oh, that's bad rap music. I'm guilty. I've done that quite a few times. It's not when I sat and I really listened, when I tolerated getting through it all and really listened between the Hulk, I was like, oh, oh, y'all fuckers on the side. This is his struggle. This is her struggle, right? So if we can take some of that finance and allocate, allocate that to education, this is what this means. Like the cops decoded and figured out what certain things mean. We have messages that we're feeding our children, positive and negative, still in the music. They're listening right. to it for a reason. We have to decode it and teach properly, teach what hip hop is becoming, why it's becoming this way, and how we go forward. Because it's not about fixing it. It's encouraging more growth through it. Right, right. Exactly. We have to wrap up here, but I did want to talk about before we signed off, the letter that went out signed by 15 elected officials in Queens and two community boards to reactivate the Rockaway Beach Line. Now, I have to be careful with how I describe this because there's already been some controversy over it. Really what the letter is specifically, the letter is calling for an EIS, an environmental impact statement, which is a necessary part of the plan. So the idea is to ultimately reactivate this train line that's been dormant since 1962. We want to make it as part of a subway plan to allow us to get from South Queens to North Queens and ultimately Midtown Manhattan, which right now is not even possible by the train. It's crazy. You got to go all the way around through Brooklyn and it takes way too long. So people, people who live in South Queens are really cut off from the rest of the city. So a lot of support now for this EIS, which legally is a required step. If we wanted to have this become a reality, it would need to be studied and kind of Let's back to what K-Bay was saying before about how you have to survey all these different things and figure out what you're doing. You can't just start digging a, a, a tunnel for a train. So this is a required part of the process. 15 elected officials signed it. I serve now as counsel to the not-for-profit that really put this together. And so I'm really happy that we got this done. And I'm happy that the 15 elected officials signed. We have Donovan Riches, the Queensboro president, uh, you know, James Sanders, Senator. We have every Rockaway elected official, which is, which is very important for me because this was the Rockaway Beach Line. I wanted to see unity amongst the Rockaway community. And then sometimes you don't see that, but I think no matter where you are in Rockaway and in South Queens, really, we should be able to agree that we need better transportation. So we have to be coming together on these issues. Otherwise we'd be shooting ourselves in the foot by staying divided. 
We got everyone who represents Rockaway to sign. We got support from South Queens, really throughout the borough, and two community boards were saying that they want a study. Now, one community board did come out. I guess they got some pushback. They said, "Hey, listen, there's multiple ideas for what to do with this right of way. Some want to make it into a park. Some want to train. What we're saying is, we want the train line option studied so we can have a real cost-benefit analysis. And that's really all we could ask for at this point to see." exactly how much it's going to cost and what the return on investment is going to be but i'm happy that that step has happened now now we need it funded and, and the mta to actually do it but to have 15 elected officials throughout queens i think is very promising it sounds like a good thing sounds like a possible win for the people and yeah. for you know the potential for getting better transportation out there so that's what's up so we want to thank anybody for joining us this week um and uh, i think we had another very good conversation. Had some good jewels drop in here. Don't forget also Nuance is on YouTube. So please go and subscribe to us. Nuance with Mike Scala and Jay Carter. Also, if you're a podcast person, podcast, the, the podcast is everywhere. So this will also be available on YouTube and will be available on whatever podcast platform that you're using. And again, join us uh, every week here, seven o'clock. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. Find me on Grind City TV Network. Add us on Roku or at Media Grind City. See me for everything. Oh, right yes. There. And, and on that note, Jay, we should actually do the bottom line. So let KV have the last yeah. word. Oh. What we do, we allow our guests to have the last word on here. We call it the bottom line. So I'll be taking it. I'll be taking it, Mike. I just take here it. We go. Let, let uh, me look for you. KV, what is the bottom line? The bottom line is, first of all, salute the people that salute you. Period. If they appreciate you, appreciate them back. Live, love, laugh, smile, and elevate. That's the bottom line. Love it. Love it. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>